Hi, my name is Christine Murray, Editor-in-Chief of The Developer, and welcome to The Developer Podcast, where we talk about the user experience of cities, the social value of our places, and how to create great spaces between the buildings. In this podcast, we visit here east. After the London Olympics, the former press and broadcast centres were transformed into a place. These two giant sheds on the London Olympic Park are not the easiest place to get to, whether you ride the shuttle bus from Stratford Station, cycle down the Lee Valley towpath, or hop on an e-scooter through the Olympic Park. But once you arrive, you'll find a technology campus with character and a fascinating mix of tenants, from upstart startups to broadcasters such as BT Sport, architecture students to robotic labs, fashion e-tailer Match.com to dance studios, and soon an outpost of the V&A Museum. Today, we meet Joy Nazari, the founding director at brand consultancy DN Co. and founding director of Place Press. She's worked with Here East since the beginning to create its mission statement and identity. Joy is joined by Gavin Poole, chief executive of Here East, which is part of the legacy of the Olympic Games. I speak to them about the importance of building relationships in a place and how they put Here East on the map. They take us on a tour of the campus to see some of the ways in which this big old shed is being used by its diverse range of tenants. What do you think makes a space into a place? Wow, I mean, if you cast your mind back to 2012, the whole Olympic Park looked amazing. Uh, and it supported you know, millions of people coming here for you know, a set piece event over that summer. But then if you roll forward just literally a couple of months, uh, when the games had packed up, the fences were back in place, uh, and the place was going through a period of transformation, it literally was a building site again. And our buildings that we've now transformed into here east, it, it were literally, it was just a huge, great shed. And I used to get offended when people used to call it a shed. But around us was literally just building, building site. And it, well, there was nothing here at all. You know, we used to come and do vision tours and we'd have to go and get fingerprinted in and bring passports and have orange flashing lights on top of a white van being a saber here. And we'd stand here and say, we're going to create a super campus on site. You know, we're going to create London's biggest campus for technology and creative industries. And we're going to deliver all of this and create a, a place for five or 6,000 people to work. And visitors, predominantly from overseas, admit, would come over here, scratch their head and say, you're crazy. Um, others would be curious, uh, particularly locals, going, well, this sounds like something we're going to get from the Olympics after all. Um, but it was, there was nothing here. And we really didn't appreciate it. Um, the, the sort of the people who put the vision together, um, three of us, we really didn't have a property background. So we didn't really understand what it was we were getting into, um, which is probably just as well. Um, but to create pretty much a new destination um, you know, on a park, which is being created, so we sit within a, a wider ecosystem. But to create something from scratch um, was something we didn't appreciate. And, uh, and we've done it. Uh, and Joy's here, who's been part of that journey all the way through, to help us forge an identity, a recognised brand, and to come out, bring out, bring to life all of the, the values and the vision and the DNA that makes us up as engineers and technologists um, who are playing in the property world um, to, to give us an identity. And that's what we've been doing. So there's, Joy, it's a good point to bring you in. There's a cynicism around identity, I think. Totally, I yeah. I think, I think the thing that's interesting about Here East was the utter potential. It could have gone 
one of two ways, and probably in the hands of a traditional developer, it would have gone um, the traditional way, which is a sort of semi-out-of-town business park. Very pretty out-of-town business park, you know, super fine for you know the sort of out-of-town business parky types of tenants. But that was not the vision that was sold in or desirable for um, you know the developers, Delancey and the wider team that sort of had put together and this vision and bid that they had won with the LLDC. And I think the big word that you've used that is so crucial, Christine, is credibility. And for, I suppose, the big hill here, as Gavin said, is people would come and they'd see airport-sized sheds. You know, you'd be in one of these enormous spaces with, you know, these huge ceiling heights beyond imagination huge. And then you'd be told, there's another one of these floors above this floor. So you were sort of in these enormous spaces. And that gap between these sheds and the vision was big. So that credibility gap was one you know, this team that, you know, the developer and the wider team that was put together had to do a lot to make that vision, uh, you know, credible and real. At the very beginning, I think you'd bring people here and they'd say, I don't believe you. I just see big sheds out of town, hard to get to. So the big difference, I would say, there was the commitment to doing real things, not just marketing, not just logos, not just cute strap lines, but actually investing in actual um, partnerships, you know, actual activations here, actual launching of innovation centers, you know, difficult things for your sort of standard developer to get their head around. So that, that absolute steadfast commitment to the original vision meant that it was very easy to say, well, if we're looking really to attract those technology, um, you know, enabled businesses, then we've got to do stuff for them. And what do they care about? What do they want? Not just let's just make some buildings, call it a technology super campus and they will come because that was never going to be credible enough. I think one, one of the key, key parts of it, there was so many different key parts to it, and that's probably the success, which is we didn't just see it as a campus for technologists. We didn't see it as a campus for academics. We didn't see it as a campus for startups. We saw it as a campus for all of those things. But we also recognized that we had a, a responsibility to the wider community around us as well. So we wanted to make sure that we didn't just go, oh, Section 106 has to do affordable workplace. Yeah, there's you know, X thousand square feet over there, they can have that. Actually, we've, you know, we've invested over two and a half million pounds into our affordable workplace strategy because it's being very, very design-led. And over 75% of the people occupying our gantry studios, what I call ultra-local, they've come off Hackney, Wick and Fish Island. So for us, that's a huge success. It's cost us, we've invested, we've had a whole lot of fun. Um, doing that, but we've now created a product which is really appealing to the people we absolutely wanted to land at Hiris. Likewise, now we opened up our um, canal side, which is where all of our restaurants and our coffee shops and our bars are, the majority of them are. And we opened it up way in advance of us having the majority of our, our customers on board. Um, because we wanted, our commitment was, we wanted to activate the North Park. We could see a lot of activity going on down in the South Olympic Park around the stadium and the fountains and the children's park and the orbit. But actually, there was very few people coming up to the north and it was rich and vibrant in type of creativity. It was literally on the canal. There's a lovely community living on the boats. There were uh, bars and pop-ups uh, coming up on, on, on the wick. So we can be part of that and we can add to that and create a new destination. So we opened it a year in advance of most people would have opened it up. 
uh, have got now a destination. It's always in Time Out, it's always in all the major London newspapers um, saying these are places you should go to. Um, so we've kind of taken each component part of our site called Here East and looked at strategy for different aspects of community and business and research and teaching and stakeholder engagement. So take me through that messy middle where you've got this, this vision and a shed full of non-believers, and then you've got this uh, vibrant bit along the canal with some traders in it. But there's some uh, that first step. I'm hearing that partnerships were really important. Some conversations were really important. How did that unblock? Yeah, it's, it's a period of time you try and wipe out your mind. Actually, um, no, we've, it's been it's been great fun all the way through. But um, you know, it was hard because we had to convert people and as always with a new product it's who's the early adopter um, and you know luckily um, for us BT Sports was starting a brand new sports entertainment business uh, or BT work called BT Sports and the team and particularly the number two the COO Jamie had just delivered all of the outside broadcasts for the Olympic Games to the BBC and knew what this building was capable of so um, they came on board very early on. In fact, they were up and running before we even started our own refurbishment. So we had to, the joys of uh, refurbishing an entire building around a live TV studio um, without any interruptions to their broadcast schedule, um, which was you know, a challenge, and, you know, but we're still good friends. So the end of it, that was our moments. But also we had a university which was committed to be here as well. And that, that came on. So we had our, you know, our key anchors and, and Loughborough University London was born had a Loughborough's uh, vision having a, an international London camp, uh, campus, which um, played to their strengths of sports science technology and being on Olympic Park was very important for them for that. So out of that, we had two really strong um, anchors, which allowed us then to start saying, well, look, the people are already coming. They're already, they've already bought into our vision. They're on our journey with us. And then we had the, um, the whole focus around, well, you know, we, we, we will land the globals, you know, the, the big businesses. We've got BT already here, but others will follow. Not headquarters, but the, the sort of R&D innovation units. Um, we've got the universities, which will help us now with international postgraduate research, PhDs and enterprise support. Right, we need to now engage to start and scale up. So how are we going to do that? And we looked at all different options. And, our, and it was mainly stress testing the, the type of uh, business that we wanted um, uh, to build to allow that to happen. There was lots, if you go cast your mind back to 2013, 2014, it was all Tech City, the roundabout, Shoreditch, but Tech City is all of London, it was all across the capital. There's all sorts of different co-working spaces and Google Campus came to the fore, and Level 39, uh, which Canary Wolf put in, and there was all of these amazing spaces. And we said, Louis, this is too important for us to give away to someone, so let's build our own. And you know, Delancey, uh, the owners now, um, that true, you know, following the vision of what you know we set out to achieve is like great. It's true alignment of interests. You know, we can build an innovation platform. We can build um, an innovation centre, um, which supports the development of all of the businesses across here east. But also aligns the vision. If we common ownership, what goes on within here east, then we'll actually support the development of the innovation centre as well. And that's what we did. Um, and it took us a couple of years to get to that point where we were comfortable with what we were, we were going to do and built a brand new team to deliver that. And then as that um, really took off and we were then able to go back into the vision mode once again, uh, then a lot of the larger businesses were very curious about what it was we were, we were doing. Uh, we'd already found quite a lot of favor. You know, we had Ford of Europe looking at a smart mobility team coming here. Um, and we had quite a lot of interest. 
But as soon as we announced what we were going to build a brand new innovation centre, um, it just went crazy. And within literally months, we had 200 people just camping out on a second floor as we created an interim space uh, before we set up the true innovation centre, which you see now called Plexor, which is our own brand. Um, so, you know, we've, we've done a lot of activation in terms of business, but then there was an entire activation of, you know, what can you do across the rest of the estate? And they've got a yard we can put 2,000 people in. We have a theatre space we can put a thousand people in it. Now that in itself is, you know, something we'll come back to. But you know, a convening power of that scale in this part of London, no one else has got. It's interesting to think back at the time as well. Is we were really focusing on all that innovations happening around shortage. But if you think about shortage at the time, you know, it was all these really lovely higgledy piggledy brick buildings, you know, old warehouse buildings. And actually, at that sort of pivotal moment innovation was really changing, right? So you had, you were going from sort of just coding to coding and needing to create products and, you know, objects and 3D printing was coming to the fore. So we were really lucky to have another partner on the team, Poke, um, which is a very digitally sort of expert business. And to have them on the team, they were really able to give this wider team a lot of insight into what was happening there. And actually, prototyping was having to be sent you know, to the Far East. And actually, we needed to bring that manufacturing sort of thinking back home. And to have that sort of um, leg to our stool, collective stool, and that insight that actually we were growing out, technology was growing out of shortage, and we needed space, um, was able, it sort of gave us, I think, a lot of confidence jointly to sort of think, actually, we're we're building for something that's coming still. And it's been, I think it's been really vindicated as an idea here. It has, and we went through the whole language of um, uh, London's home for making. And, and that led a lot of people to start thinking, okay, it's gonna be full of a whole bunch of makers. And we were very, very clear when we went through that brand work, which Joy led, about this is not London's home for makers. That makers are very welcome here, of course. Um, but the making aspect is really important because that puts you into what we believed was a completely different level um, of design for production, design for manufacturer, um, product, product design generally. Um, so you move away just from the software, which are, there's lots going on around London, into a different, a different area. And then when we started to explore that further, all of a sudden then we had a second university pitch up and say, hey, we want to do a robotics institute. And not only can we do a robotics institute, we'd like to bring our Bartlett School of Architecture here as well, not on uh, all, all together because we've obviously got um, the, the, the centre over in, in Bloomsbury, but we've got this amazing manufacturing production capability, which we're going to have to move because of um, HS2. Um, this would be a perfect location for it because most of the people who are teaching live over this way. Um, your vision and your brand actually identifies it exactly what we want to uh, build in there. So we've got this at scale. Um, uh, uh, production facility within UCL at the moment, which is just absolutely phenomenal. And part of the whole message making, you know, we go back to the points in the early days whilst we were still building, it was a lot of vision tours, vision tours, standing on stages, this is what we're doing, this is what we're going to do, this we want to do. Part of it was top level vision, you know, you should come, see what we're up to, we'll talk you through what our ambition is. But there was this underground movement around the making aspect. Um, so we created this amazing movie where we took a maker um, uh, who's an alumni of the London College of Fashion who built us a robot head uh, and we did this entire narrative based on um, Joy's brand building for us to tell the story, what we were doing. 
but we shot it in one of our studios, which was just huge. I mean, one of the most used words when we did vision tours was wow. As you walked through the doors and took people into studios, it was mind blowing. In fact, it was so big that what they had to do was create the robot head. They always, an animatronic uh, specialist, is, their holy grail is always to be able to create a human head. They do puppets, they do things for scary movies or whatever, but a human head, which they did, and then took the skin off and you've left it all as it is, and you'll see it on our films. Um, but because the scale of our studios was so huge, they had to make it twice the size that actually had impact. I mean, because they're just so big. And once that went out, you know, it aligned very nicely with the UCL coming the Robotics Institute, that really started to pick up traction and we started getting more calls going, hey, what are you guys doing over there? Can we come and have a look now? We think we've got someone who we'd like to introduce or my business would like to come. How do I come in? How can I come and draw you? And, and at that point, it's like, oh, uh, well, we probably need another year because we're getting there, but, you know, can we sign you up now? And it, it started the ball rolling at that point. It's interesting, it reminds me um, of the other big change, I think, at that period, which was, um, I think a lot of um, brands, as it were, concepts, visions are launched at MIPIM traditionally for um, property developments. And very, very unusually, in fact, I'm absolutely certain it was a, a sort of first, was that Here East was launched at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. And which, you know, I have to say, you know, was a very, <laughs> was a very big um, kind of uphill sort of, you know, let's, let's see if we can get the developer on board here. And, um, you know, I, I would say so much power to them for, 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 for saying yes to that. Because in effect, what it gave was um, we were presenting a vision for a place for humans who had the sort of similar and aligned sort of view of the world. So let's create the spiritual home for these types of businesses and individuals instead of let's show the property world um, what interesting stuff we're doing. Sort of like we, we're keen on getting the right um, kind of minded, like-minded people together. And it's paid dividends for years because in effect it's sort of like you went to South by Southwest. That's a trading card. That's a sort of calling card to be able to say, you really understand my world here east and uh, i would say that was a really brave move at that period of time yeah and that led that led on to building relationships you know we were working with hackney then and their team uh, which were forging a relationship between uh, hackney and austin it's led to really strong relationships ourselves with with austin as a city and particularly the capital factory which is another uh, large-scale innovation center so you know, more will come out of that um uh, in the near future. Um, and guess what? We're going back to South by Southwest this year, where we'll hopefully make some announcements. The, the, the relationships also led to other um, organizations, uh, trade bodies, who was like, oh, this is really interesting. You know, as, a, as a business, most people come and, and just take a stand and, and talk about you know, their particular individual product. You're actually talking about building a community. And uh, how, how can we come and, and build, help you build this community? And what role, you know, like London Partners, what role can we help you with, reach out across the globe and help you build something which we see is strategically important to London in the future? And I think that's been really helpful um, as well. As Troy said, it is, it is a calling card. You know, we keep on going back, not only to talk about, you know, what we're up to, but what an amazing um, opportunity to have insights, you know, probably five years out, um, is to where technology um, is going. And when we launched our brand, everybody was talking about VR in 2014. Um, but if you remember, VR then just dropped off the radar for two years because everybody got fed up of feeling nauseous and disorientated and trying to put headsets on. We went back two years ago and it was basically on the ascendance again. But 
This time it was all about AR. Uh, and you could see how the step changed. So what it's really good at is producing um, or, or giving us insights is where is technology likely to go? And you look at all of these fairs like CES or South by or TV festival up in Edinburgh, and you've got an idea of what we should be doing as an organization to think, well, how can we prepare the ground for these companies with this new technology? And how can we make sure that we've got a home for them to experiment and to, and to look at the research for their new products? So we're always like one step um, ahead. You know, we will never give up on that you know, because our, our remit is to think about these companies and their needs. Um, yes, we, we certainly have responsibility for our, to our fund as a, as a development fund. Um, but we've also, we feel we've got a, um, a responsibility um, to UK industry and to global industry, to technology and to society to think about what is our role in helping all of that come together. Uh, and we take that very seriously. And that's why it comes back in our brand. The brand is more than just a name. And it's more than just an identity of here East is a wonderful campus. It's actually get to the root of what is it about us that makes us sick and do what we do. Why is it we're running a mobility program through our innovation programs team um, which doesn't just focus on what most people think, autonomous vehicles, role of AI, sensible technologies for vehicles, bringing out e-scooters, but we've also included social mobility. Because actually mobility leads to social mobility if you can get mobility into areas with poor mobility and get people access to work. What about those people with disabilities which gave rise to the Global Disability Institute? We didn't have to do that. But actually you've got this amazing institute now based in UCL, which is looking at the impact of assistive technology into disabled people. And, uh, and an amazing young guy uh, called Paul, who did a master's program at Loughborough University, um, who is deaf, um, has just joined the team as their ecosystem manager, which is fantastic. Because now we've, you know, we've been seeing, this is one of many, where we're seeing people coming through our universities and staying here and working here um, as well, which we've always wanted to see. So I think it's in our DNA. This is not just about space and get a yield and sell the place. This is actually, this is, you know, this is our passion. Actually, and you know, who knows where we'll go? Let's look at other. Can we do this elsewhere? Is it replicable? We talked a lot about everything we do here says something about what this place means. So instead of talking about what this place means, let's do things that prove it. And I think that was that was you know really helped in establishing that credibility that you first talked about around the identity and brand. It was less about strap lines. It was more about real actions that we could go back and say. We really mean it. We really understand the industry. You know, it's 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 seen in the actions that we do here. I'm hearing a lot of listening too. You know, I'm hearing that we went to speak to these people to say what they want. We went to speak to those people to see what they needed. Yeah, the customer is entirely at the centre of Here East, which I think is again really you know not totally unusual, but it is um, at, at the extent that I think the investment went in here to really think about very carefully about the customer is is still very unusual. There are lots of enlightened developers. There are still some who are a little bit in the dark. But that idea of putting your customer at the center, I think, is certainly, the, as, as Gavin says, in the DNA here, really listening and understanding what their needs are. And I think that is, you know, that is one of the strengths. It's one of the challenges as well where people come into the team because obviously you get people come and go in any organization. And our organization is made up of many. So, you know, Joy with DN and Co, Tom Hossler, co founder of Poke, um, integral to the team, David Bickle, one of the senior partners at Hawkins Brown. Know, did the design for this place with another partner, Nikki. Um, all of these people, Richard, our development director from, from Delancey, all of these people come into the team and they've all got views and they've got very strong views and they're very appropriate for the role that they're undertaking. And I, 
you know, my role, I mean, all of all that, is to make sure that everybody gets heard and no one, no one has got sole ownership of this brand or vision because we all comment. And actually, was, we launched the brand in 2014, which meant we were working on it since 2013. Um, and here we are in 2019 and we're still working together and we're still talking about brand enhancement and we're talking about the next phase. And, you know, and we're still all engaged. It's not like brand it, brilliant. Right, let's think about another development over there to go and brand, would you? Um, this is about how do we, it's kind of organic, how do we grow this? Because things are changing, you know, the technology sector and the creative industry sector is changing so fast. And it's not because we want to be a chameleon, it's actually that we care passionately about this project. We care passionately about those sectors. So how do we make sure that we're relevant for them um, as well? And how do we provide something for them? But the team members, um, you know, they're, they're all, if you ask any of them, um, what's your best project? You know, if, uh, rewarding projects they've done, it, it, I would probably, I pretty much guess most of them say, here is, they, they've all got a loyalty to it. They all want to be associated with it because literally we've created something from nothing. And, uh, and that's been so rewarding. So you've got that kind of hipster connection. You've got the South by Southwest, you know, the, the idea of being at the edge of cutting edge tech, but that's also a lot of pressure because that's on the edge of obsolescence too, like you said, right? VR is big, then VR is gone. So how do you um, continue to, to track innovation when the innovation is actually, um, t tomorrow's innovation is, you know, yesterday's Yep. No, we spend, and it comes back to your point about listening. We spend a lot of time talking, listening, overseas, UK-based, universities, hotbed of innovation, often missed out. People don't realise, you know, those who work closely with them do realise, you know, exactly where they are on their cutting edge. You know, we, we see things from um, other businesses who are working in collaboration with universities, which looking at going, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Or you're seeing business models uh, come to the fore and again that's amazing that someone has come up with that idea and has been able to monetize it or potentially monetize it in such a way um, let's think about how can we bring them into our innovation space how can we bring those funders uh, founders in are there funders we can we can connect them to um, how can we help them grow is there any flexibility we can afford them so an example um, because we haven't mentioned the collaboration word, I've just well, noticed. No, I was going to say, yeah, this is, yeah, it's that, that's key. a big one. Yeah. It's key, it's on the journey. So an example would be three founders rock up with a great idea. Um, they've got some seed investment, they're starting to build a, com a company. We say, come and join us. Uh, this is a perfect location for you. It's in sports and health uh, and well-being. Um, so they start growing their team. They raise some more money. So we need a studio, we've got some empty space. So we say, look, we can build you, a, or I'll give you a space to build a temporary studio. Let's see how this works out. They get some space, they build a temporary studio. Um, they create the content, they take the content to market. They're then picked up as being one of the hottest tech companies last year, um, uh, highlighted by the Times, the one to watch. They've raised more money, uh, serious money. They've now grown to a team of over 30 staff and uh, they're now moving into their own um, studio space in the middle of building a bespoke studio for them to completely to grow. Now, we gave them a chance. They are amazing individuals. They would have done it anywhere. But the flexibility we've been able to give them meant they've been able to rapidly grow without having to worry about, OK, I need to find a studio space. How am I going to do that? So like, we've got one here. We've got one here. We'll, we'll go and have a wander later. We'll take you into one of our studios. We've got another startup. They're building and they've got a concept to build a robotic indoor farm. 
Um, you know, yes, there's lots of people doing hydroponics. Yes, there's a load of people like growing underground down in Clapham. They've got you know, micro salads and micro crops. Um, but this is a fully automated robotic farm um, as a startup with some serious money, university supported. Um, but we've got an empty 30,000 square foot studio. So we've allowed him to go in there and build a nine meter by 12 meter trial robotic farm. You wouldn't go there anywhere else because we love what he's doing and we think there's legs in there that he'll grow his company out. And that's great news. You know, if he stays with us, that's even better. If he doesn't, then he doesn't. But at least we've been part of that journey and we like to see people push the boundaries. So that collaboration which we can offer, we can be generous in our um, support to startups with space. We can be generous in giving them airtime and, and helping to promote and helping to introduce them to people. We can be generous in our connections into government and to City Hall and support them and try and get them onto the Mayor's Go To Grow programme. We, we can help all of these activities as opposed to just being a developer where people come in and we say, great, see you in five years for rent review or every call to make sure you pay your rent on the call to date. It's not like that. You so do I, that, yeah, but I'd, it's I'd say not like it's, um, we, we use the expression a lot, um, you know, we've, we've we've created a, a, a stage but it's up to the businesses to be the performance now the, the thing you don't see is all the backstage um, you know support in effect and that's I think that's the area that is um, probably less reported about here East is that collaboration side it wasn't just in, in you know the team and the, the various collaborators that uh, Gavin mentioned earlier like Hawkins Brown and Polk Deanne and Co and Lancey but it's also the collaboration that continues to happen on site today so Gavin is you know physically um, and some of his colleagues as well physically pulling people by the ear from you know one studio across the campus to another office and saying hey you know you two are doing things that are you you know, they're really kind of akin and rubbing against each other. Why don't you do it together? And that's so unusual, right? So that's um, that sort of backstage um, management is part of what sort of helps support the success here and makes it really, really quite vibrant and interesting. But again, that's what you said about, you know, it's not just a strap line, you've got to prove it. So you have to be making those collaborations happen. You have to make sure there's a stage, people are using the stages and, yeah. and performing. For sure, yeah. And there's a willingness as well. So, you know, we, Ford wanted to collaborate. When they came here, the whole purpose of coming here was to attract talent and to um, attract the type of people um, who wanted to work in East London into some really interesting uh, solutions looking at mobility across the city of tomorrow. And they were struggling to get those type of people to go and work in their traditional headquarters um, out in Essex. So they came here and they've grown ever since, uh, which, is, which is great. But they're now working with a number of businesses across the site. And it helps that Loughborough, by chance, is one of their strongest um, uh, collaboration partners, research partners, uh, anyway. But they, Ford put in 100,000 sensors across fleets across the city to see what data they could collect. And then they got all of this data, and they need to make sense of it. But they were able to walk next door to a very small, bespoke company called Signal Noise. Um, and knock on the door and say, look, we've got all this data, can you help? And next thing you know, Signal Noise have stripped out the data and they've created this amazing um, uh, film. And also, it's not just the film, that's a, the end result, but they've dissected all the data about what this data can do for London and what it can do for safety and what it can do, not just road safety, but all types of safety. What it can do for emissions, what it can, there's a whole load of work. Now, that was just from walking next door. Uh, they're walking, working with startups in, in Plexel. We've got companies working with Sports Interactive who are now based in Plexel. Wayne McGregor, our choreographer, and we'll come into, we've got some different types of businesses here. 
Well, Wayne's got his company here, um, and he's got an amazing studio here, and he brings in world-leading choreographers and dancers. Uh, and they were looking at the impact of technology into um, the outworking of creative, um, uh, the creative projects they, they put together. Uh, so we were able to, to reach out across our network, both within our innovation center and the rest of Here East and outside for companies like McLaren, and say, can you work? We've got 10 choreographers and dancers coming here, world leaders. They've got a two-week residential program looking at the impact of technology on what they put together and the massive input into support um, to make sure that these, these um, uh, choreographers and, and, and team were able to meet some really interesting companies to help them. Likewise, uh, we've got yeah, other, other companies which are pivoting from hardware into software. We've got um, work now with the UK government uh, in collaboration with Deloitte and Queen's University Belfast growing 72 cyber companies. So collaboration is pretty much what we do, or collaborative projects across from running out of the universities. It's what we do. Um, we map what we can and we intro all the time um, when we see it. It's right? and one of the things when businesses arrive here, we spend a lot of time talking to the management and the C-suite about where the company is going, what, what do they want to do, how, what type of involvement do they want, can they introduce you to these types of people, this is where we see the benefits come to some of these events that we put on. And, and that really gets them involved and uh, they see the benefit. Last week we had number 10 um, business advisors here, the Prime Minister, um, we put together um, a, a programme, a round table for people across here east and within Plexel, and that also allowed us to pull in um, other members from our network. Um, again, you know, people like Deloitte and the McLarens and various others to come and participate to pose four questions uh, which we could answer collectively. And out of that, set up three working groups all working collectively across three different, uh, three different challenges, but businesses who weren't working together are now working to solve some of the problems and then go back to government with the answers. Now, that's what we do. And there's a value add into the community who participate in that. So you've got this um, tech sector and the kind of innovation sector here, but they have known gender and diversity issues. Um, is that something that's a challenge on campus to kind of get the, the de diversity and gender balance that you would hope for? So if you look at, so if you look at our, the business, if you walk around um, here, as we're about to go and do, um, you will look and you'll go, there is no there is no di difficulty here because you just walk around. It's a truly international um, campus and it's fully diverse in the type of people we've got work, uh, working here. You know, and half my team are ladies and I ask them, so you just walk around with your eyes open. Is there a problem? Is there a problem? Um, and people who, who don't come and see that will, will make comments um, that there's, there's, a, there's a problem. Now, our customers, the business moving here, sometimes do have a problem, and, and, but it's not. When you sit down and talk to them, say, what's your problem? You know, a company here is saying, well, and they won't mind me saying it, they'll be tweeting on, at the moment, um, the adverts on LinkedIn and on my Twitter feed, you'll see. Saying, so, look, we've, we're, there's an issue around programmers and coders, um, particularly female programmers and, and coders, and we're desperately trying to recruit. They, they just do, you know, they, they try as much as they can to recruit ladies into those roles, but their speciality, their subject matter, is football players agents, which you're now going from a niche market of ladies in programming into a further niche market of those who want to work deep into the heart of football. 
And you know, we're working with them, you know, they're working with many others trying to address this. Um, we've also got you know, other um, companies who really are looking to say, look, I just need, I'm missing out on diversity in my organization. Um, and that's not just um, gender balance, that's actually local talent. You know, one of our roles here is how do we make sure that the opportunities we bring in, and we've got just under 4,000 people on site now, how do we make sure the lows, those people living locally have access to the type of jobs that we've got here. And there's programs with a legacy company, programs with City Hall, all looking at skilling of individuals. But actually taking youngsters through their, their, the journey, through, through schools and colleges, ultimately end up in Here East. And for them to keep on saying, this Here East is a place they can come to. Um, so they can understand the types of opportunities there. That's a way also to harness amazing talent which might not have been on the radar before businesses had moved here as well. So other challenges, yeah, you know, well publicised, there are challenges across, I wouldn't even say it's technology, I'd say all sectors have got challenges. Um, but there's people, when you talk to companies, they recognise it. They absolutely rec recognise where they have, a, where they themselves have a challenge in their organisation and they're addressing it. And I think that's most pleasing. We have a new um, thing that we're talking about a lot, which is here East, um, the community here is big, small and different, um, which is a good descriptor of what goes on here. So it's actually not a sort of pure play technology campus, and that's shown very quickly through having you know, universities on site, having Studio Way McGregor, so you know, modern, the high, the high level of modern dance, the VNA coming, um, so the arts are really re well represented, arts, education, and business sort of really commingling in such a wonderful and powerful way. Technology is, is an industry, but it also sort of, it's, it's in all of us now. Um, we all have that in our day and in our minds and in our businesses. So that's a thread, but it's not the only thread. So hopefully that sort of big, small and different helps create a, a sort of much more interesting ecosystem here, which everyone can benefit from uh, being rumming up. Against. Yeah, and it, yeah, we've got um, disability charities here, Scope, one of the largest disability charities in the UK, um, are here, Disability Rights UK are here. And I'll go back to my point about social mobility programs, you know, the, the team are putting together a program or look at the impact of technology, um, which will allow those people with disability um, to have fair access into the workforce. And it will be easier for employers to embrace people with disability, because sometimes you see there's a, again, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to manage this or how it's all going to work. And so to get over those hurdles, sadly, which are there, and look at the amazing impact that um, some of these individuals can have. Now, that links into, you know, SCOPE, the Global Disability Institute. You know, the ex-CEO of SCOPE now is running the Royal National Institute for the Deaf. Well, actually, he's looking at the impact that just smartphones can have for deaf people and how they can uh, easily um, sit into a, uh, into a workforce, much easier. Um, so already connected in, and it's like, how do we bring all of these people together to think about diversity, not just on gender, but also on disability, to, uh, those type of um, issues. It all looks really, really um, clean and tidy, but I think of innovation as, as messy. So where's the mess? Behind the walls. It is. Um, so yeah, we're sitting in one of our pods, which all customers can use, so therefore it's clean and tidy, ready for people to use it. Um, we're going to take you into some spaces where, uh, you know, Plexal Makers Lab, yeah, that's a mess. We'll take you into the UCL space. 
Um, I can't say for them will be a mess, but um, at the end of term, and if all of their projects are coming to the fore, the manufacturing that's going on there, it's crazy. Um, we'll, we'll take you into some of our studios where we've got some R&D work going on, that's a mess. And we'll take you on to the gantry, the um, uh, studios uh, strategy for local businesses, uh, which some people could say might, could, has a potential to be messy and encourage them to, to do more external as we get into the summer months, but um, you'll see some interesting stuff there as well. Um, so what, well, the reason this building is glazed is not, the large building, is not to turn into some sort of great corporate HQ. Uh, the reason we wanted it glazed is because we wanted people to see in. We wanted to break down the barriers and we wanted people to actually say, okay, look, there's some in interesting work going on there. And as we walk down you know, the 240 meter length of the broadcast center, you'll see you know, a coffee shop with their own roasting um, uh, and their, their own kitchens in there, which are very visible uh, through to hobs and their virtuality and augmented reality studios and their manufacturing and their prototyping facility. And then you go into UCL and then we get to BT Sport, then we get to Loughborough University, we get to Wayne Space. So there's this visible uh, through the glass of what is happening within the building. But the building is so deep, 140 meters, that you, know, you have to go inside the building to really understand, okay, this is quite fascinating. And it's one of the things we do to people as they arrive, when we onboard them, we take them on tours around the place. And it's something I learned when, in my military days, when I used to take squadrons on board aircraft carriers, was they are fascinating places. Um, and if you weren't careful, you'd lose people because they just go exploring. So the first two hours on board a ship, we used to basically say to the entire squadron, okay, two hours, see you back here at this point in two hours time, just go and get yourself lost. And, you know, the team would go all over the place just to experience what, it, you know, what was where and what was behind certain doors and spaces. Uh, and that's what we do here as well, because there's a curiosity and we'd like people to go and see what else, and, and actually understand what else is going on here, not just the management, but you know all the workers, to really go and understand what's going on in their studios. What's it like in a TV studio? What's it like in a robotics institute or lab? You know, what does Da Vinci, the, the robotic surgeon, really look like, and how's that going to work? What is Plex all about? Can I get into Plex, or is it closed community? Certainly not. Now, all of these things, we take people on tours, so they actually get to see the messiness and understand, oh wow, there's some really interesting stuff, which means that when we do events, they're more likely to come, because actually that'd be great. Now, we took people on a journey of the creative process through, um, uh, through fashion, uh, placemaking, um, robotics, and then into space. Uh, and we said, why stop on Earth? Why don't we look to the future? Where is this all going? Everybody's talking about Mars. What about the moon? Uh, we had the Foster's Lunar Habitation Project come and talk to everybody, along with the European Space Agency. And, uh, and we had lots of people come from across the campus because they knew that when we were putting something on, it was going to be quite interesting and thought-provoking, the type of things we do, because they've seen everything that's going on within the building. Down on this corner here, where they're putting the baseline in, is a new um, uh, restaurant and uh, pub uh, type environment, uh, which is amazing because when they put all this together as a master plan, they had no idea that we were talking to the VNA. So all of the ground floor along this street area here will be the entrance to the VNA National Research and uh, Collection Center. So all of a sudden, you've got this fantastic opportunity for someone to take on a restaurant opposite the VNA, which will have between 100 and 200,000 people a year uh, visiting it. And you know, that, that basically has just turned that, I think, into a, a brilliant opportunity for someone. 
but also these homes. There's a mixture of rented, social uh, rental, and privately owned as well. And if you look at, I'm not going to compare us to, well, actually, uh, to Exhibition Row over in South Ken, you know, all of a sudden the impact you've got for an organization which is um, creating the world leading center for the study and research of design opposite some homes. Now, what's that going to do? Um, and what's that going to do for the affordable homes? And what opportunity is that going to put into the community um, to bring that in as well? So, there's a real mixture here about value creation, about community building, but also about making sure you've got the right mix of society actually having access to all of this. You're going to have neighbors. So, are you going to, is that going to change any of your events? program or times uh, that people can our events our events program is open to our neighbors anyway but certainly that is one thing that we have set up so all of this is coming online in about two years time and the bna will be in and operating in about two to two and a half years time so we've got a whole strand of work at the moment because it's not just about our delivery and construction works to get the space ready for them to allow them to build out what they need to build so that's one aspect we've also got the operational aspect of getting the collection here. We've also then got the operational aspect about how do we, as a, as a site, a location, manage 100 to 200,000 people a year coming to the development as well. Um, which is, uh, actually, if you break it down, that's fine. It's not a great deal of additional people um, per day. Um, so we've got all of this work ongoing, looking at uh, for the next two and a half years. We can't leave it until you know, we get to 2022 and go, right, now what are we going to do? So there's, there's a lot of work. Now, in the community that's going to be here, neighbours, residents, yeah, we do a lot of work already. And we see the role of the, the theatre, um, the community projects, the outreach into schools as being absolutely um, important um, to us. Um, what, is I, what we found, though, working through the legacy company is really important. Um, they've got all of those relationships, particularly in schools and colleges. Otherwise, what you get, schools and colleges get bombarded with companies who want to do good things in schools. And they've got to you know, sort out what's good, what's not good. But at the same time, their primary focus is to impart knowledge and education to our children. So legacy company has got a fantastic role, their schools team, in helping us get access into the schools to do the right projects at the right time. That will also uh, apply into the communities as well. But we've got our own community um, uh, and relationships manager who helps us with that. So. It's pretty. It's really nice on the canal side. You, you know, on a sunny day, you've got mums with their buggies, families running around, and it's it's not that sort of business park environment. It's, it definitely feels stitched into the wick that way, which is really nice. Yeah, it could have gone one way. You mentioned earlier. Um, you know, you've got the hipsters, you've got the creatives, you've got the tech, and it, that that could have gone if we were not careful, ultra hipster, mm. and that would not have worked for the rest of here east, and also our vision around making it a community asset and having some sort of community asset which you know, people have felt comfortable coming to. Um, and that community embraces those who live on the river as well, uh, live on the, on the canal boats alongside us and up and down the canal. And, and it all works. It's a great, vibrant environment. Now, this time of year, it's sunny, it's still great. Um, but from April all the way through till November, it's, it's a great location. Access straight onto the park, um, to come here, to cycle here, even just to walk across the park or to use any of the other sporting facilities that we've got um, access to um, is a real value add for them as, as well. We've got sports pitches right next to us as part of the school, but after school hours we utilise them for five-a-side football leagues, there's netball clubs and so on and so forth, which people can all participate in as well. So I think it's, you know, we're in zone two with the Stratford um, reallocation and redesignation. Um, 
but zone two with a campus, which feel, and people love that whole campus method, you know, mentality, which is, yeah, we're here east, yeah, we're here east too. What do you do? What do we do? And there's always these conversations taking place on a shuttle bus or in our yard or on the canal side. Um, but they also have access to large open space, fresh air, recreation. Um, and we do a lot as well. So pretty much every day of the week, there's activities being run at Here East. This week is Health and Wellbeing Week. So we've got hot pod yoga. We've also got outdoor fitness. We've got runs. We've got park runs. We've got all sorts going on. But it's not just because it's a week of health and wellbeing in January. It's, that happens every week. We've just you know, added a few more components to that as well. Did you just say Stratford's been redesignated as Zone Two? It was was it Zone Two or Zone Three? I always forget which way we're at. I think it's Zone Two. So it's it's well, a Zone it Two zone train. Three yeah, it's a Zone Two train station, and that was done like two and a half, three oh. years ago. It was always part of the plan because they saw this as a new district, and as London starts to sort of change shape, really, you know, the inner London starts to change shape. It's always part of that of that strategy as they were bringing more homes and more businesses into the area. But it, so it happened. I mean, it must be over three years ago because it was. I think it was when the previous mayor was mayor, so um, b before the current one, uh, when that happened. But it is the you no know, Stratford as a as a station is the third most busiest station in London uh, as a connected hub as well. You know, so it's got the two two um, underground lines. You know, it's got the network uh, network rail national rail line. It's got DLR. It's got Crossrail coming in. It's got the overground. It's got bus terminal right on top of it. It's, you know, it's hugely connected. We have a number of bars. We've got video bars. That's a really great concept. Four quarters, uh, 1980s themed video, com uh, video uh, games, um, cocktail lounge, um, wonderful restaurants, bars, pubs, all down on the canal, which works really, really well. You talked about opening them quite early on, yep. probably before they quite had enough pus customers. Yep. Um, is that a challenge for, for the independent retailers? Do you have to support them through that? Yeah, very much so. It is, and it's how, how you structure things with them, how you support them, how you take on some of the marketing responsibility, how we use them ourselves in terms of our uh, work in other campaigns and bringing people over here, running set dinners and lunches. You know, if we do big events, do we use them for the catering as well? So there's a whole, whole load of work that we do. Um, uh, to make sure they're supported and it's been you know it's the winter months can be quite challenging it's the thursday to sundays it's absolutely booming down there. it's just the early, early days but you know, numbers are now up you know so we're just under four thousand um on site so in a much different place to where we were 18 months ago um so hopefully this this winter will be a really good winter for them the type of businesses we've got in plexor yeah, probably to call them startups, apart from in the cyber centre, where they've, they're quite early stage, business plan ready, probably have a product is going through testing. But the rest of the businesses in Plexor are probably funding. Most of them have got contracts and revenue streams running as well. So they're in the scaling phase. Uh, and what we're seeing is businesses now talking to us about moving out of Plexor into other offices across our campus, uh, which is, you know, that's great. That was always part of our, our growth strategy and help people on that journey. Um, Fridays is a day where it's reasonably quiet within Plexor and um, uh, we've got a couple of companies in there they just have a blanket policy that Friday is a day that the company doesn't come into they all work from home um, uh, which is which is a great great policy um, but I think the main impact on numbers of people on site would be term times we've got 1200 students uh, on site all you know postgraduate PhDs and in summer and over Christmas, whatever month, that, that 
causes us, you know, not causes us a problem, but you notice that there's a drop of people on. You know, our shuttles are less full and the people using Cloudside reduces down as well. We've walked past the timber yard and this is the, um, the steel, steel mill. And all of these, all of these atriums are designed with the industrial heritage in mind of this site. You know, there were um, large um, uh, scale factories working in the, the metal and steel industry. There's also die casting around the matchbox cars. Lesney Avenue is the road next to us, looking at um, the Lesney matchbox factory in recognition of what he so did. These are the factories that were well, all on site, on in, site. A, in this area as well. And the timber yards goes back to the furniture making and the joiners that used to be here. And the fabric factory plays into both the furniture and also the, the cutting rooms that serviced all of the wonderful tailors in Savile Row used to be in East London as well. So we've picked up industrial heritage and that's the theme we'll see when we go along to the gantry. We can see the cathedral, almost cathedral-like qualities of the atrium. We, we wanted to celebrate the scale. So we, whilst we put in two extra floors around the outside of the building, um, at least three places, we just cut through everything and took you right way up to 24 metres up to the roof. And that's how we suspended the pods in the meeting room. Uh, Jamie, the CEO, as I said, had, uh, before delivered the broadcast, outside broadcast for the Olympics and knew what the building was capable of. And they were able to come in and build a studio and be testing within about 16 weeks, which is unheard of. Um, literally from picking the keys to going out of the studio to going live on air was six months. And it's usually a two year process. If you go back to BT, the particular guys who were here from the very beginning, it was challenging right at the beginning. But there was this excitement that goes with that, which is like, we're doing something completely new here. We've got a challenger uh, brand, BT Sport. We've got BT Sport 1 and 2 plus another. And uh, we'll just stick our head into here, just as an idea. And, and for them, it was, um, you know, they were, they were taking on you know, the, the accepted norm of sports channels across the UK and doing something totally new. Uh, so I think that excitement carried them through, particularly then as they did kept on winning new awards, winning new um, broadcast rights and growing, growing the company. So it's been an exciting time. And then we gave them windows uh, and then they all needed sunglasses because they weren't used to it. So this is, this looks like a big studio. Um, this is actually a small studio. This is 10,000 square feet. Um, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to stick our heads into one which is 62,000 square feet, which uh, is left over from the V&A work that we're doing. Um, but, you know, we're in zone two. You don't have this in zone two. This is why it's quite, quite unique and quite in demand. And we, you know, we've got long-term use, so Matches Fashion have built a brand new state-of-the-art fashion um, photographic and videography studio next door. Um, which has been brilliant and, and they, that team love it. The lady, Jen, who uh, runs that is their global studio director, just said that her team love being here, uh, which, is, which is great. And it, it, this type of space, you know, people, oh, people think this is for TV, but actually there's a whole range of uses. You know, Wayne's built three levels of dance studio, Matches have got 20 odd photographic and videography studios next door. UCL have built a state-of-the-art education facility. BT have got TV studios. So there's a real mixture of V&A building their collection centres, a real mixture of uses, which will grow upon some of the conversations we're having at the moment is, is really exciting. Right. We'll zip out the back and show you a larger um, space. Because it's the scale which I think people have to get their head around. Yeah. But I've often called this, you know, the gift to London from the games. I mean, there's many reasons, the park and the aquatics and the stadium and everything else, but actually you would never have built a business environment like this 
you just you just wouldn't do it in yeah. in this part of London. The so, funny thing is, is that initially the feeling was that this was the this was going to be the white elephant of the games. Exactly, and and that's always the challenge um, for any host, any host nation, or, or host city. Is always what do we do? The broadcast centre. Yeah, sadly, if you look at what's happened in Rio, you know they haven't maximised what they could have done with that with that asset. Um, do you um, think you do you already have Olympic cities ringing you up saying? Yeah, we've talked. You no, know, we think you know, Tokyo have been round, Paris have been round, the team from LA have been round, um, the IOC have had representatives over here, um, just so we can be used as a case study of how you can do this successfully. Um, the Swiss were looking at um, bidding for the the Olympics, the, the Winters, uh, and then the um, the Valet they, you know, democratically voted and said. We actually don't want the Olympics um, in Switzerland, which is fine. That's how they do that. But we've been talking to the Swiss team about it as well. We're going to stick our head out onto the back of the gantry. Now, that, there's a whole story behind the gantry. And this is where, for us, we believe the uniqueness of what we did was the fact that Joy, Tom, David Bickle, um, we all worked together. Um, so it wasn't a case of architect came up with design for us. We then got joy and said, right, can you give us a give us a brand, please? And then got the digital team in and said, right, can we take this brand and how can we convert it into some sort of digital campaign? We all worked together and we all looked at the gantry. To be honest, David, the architect, came up with the concept and was like, hey, guys, what do you think about this? And we all fell in love with it. Um, the gantry is a story of... In the early days, we were being encouraged to get rid of it and to take it down. So we just had a clean building and not this gantry. And we said, well, if you look at, if you look at the history of East London, people celebrate the industrial heritage of the buildings. And this is a significant part of the building. As much as during the game time, it was covered in plants, machinery, and it fed air into the into studios. Now, that south section was going to be for the data center, the plant and machinery. And so we had this north section. It was like, well, what do we do with that? Why don't we turn it into, as David's proposed, this cabinet of curiosities where eight, eight, each eight by eight and 16 and a half meter grid are seen as one of these little components of a, um, uh, of a cabinet of curiosities from day gone, uh, days gone by? And why don't we allow people to create their own type of um, environment that they want? And that evolved, that concept evolved over time to working in collaboration, that magic word again, across many different organizations. So David Hawkins Brown and his team um, with another architect practice, Zero Zero, which spun out a company called WikiHouse, which you're probably familiar with, to say, hey, WikiHouse, why don't you create WikiStudio? Um, uh, so to work with them and then to work with, you know, with ourselves and about how can we then to deliver all of this? Uh, so we've got 21 individual studios designed by WikiHouse and then they were cut and then fabricated and built on site. And then the designers got hold of it and said, okay, how do we clad it and tell the story of the industrial heritage? So most of the units here have got a story, uh, some abstract, some more obvious, uh, linking directly to this site. So this um, unit here with the yellow sleeve uh, is um, indicative of a matchbox where you used to push it open and get the matchbox car out. As we walk along, you've got the white, um, uh, shapes, rectangles and squares which are meant to be um, suggesting the uh, fridge mountain that used to be on Fish Island which everybody used to dump all of their, all of their uh, white domestic appliances 
We've got a crazy stripy coloured uh, unit, which is indicative of um, uh, Cronico's uh, Refresher uh, factory from Trevor Speaks. They used to have all the covered fizzy sweets. So there's always this, this industrial narrative which we want to bring out, um, coming, you know, coming out of this space. Um, but this is where, you know, it's, it's 75% of ultra-local businesses have come over here. Um, it's linked very much to, there's quite a lot of development work going over on the WIC. We didn't want to see those businesses disappear. This has provided a, a, a welcome space for them to come and, uh, and base themselves. And they love it. You know, fantastic. Where else would you get something like this in London? So yeah, Gavin's mentioned quite a few times about story, whether it's linking to the buildings that were here on site or the materials that are being used um, and these different references. And I mean, that kind of brings to us back to kind of what you do, but why is this idea of narrative or story so important in a new place? And how, how you know, how, how should people be thinking about narrative when they're trying to write one? Well, it's a super question, and I think it goes back to to humans, right? In the end, if you create the wrong bit of real estate, there's not a lot you can do to market yourself out of that problem. So really, it's about starting with the humans and the companies and their businesses that are trying to come here and really thinking very hard, what are the challenges, the interests, what are their days like in order to sort of create you know, a, a real estate and an architecture and a place ultimately that has a human connection for them. Your narrative is not, I think, uh, it, it, it's not valuable if it's not credible. So really it was about starting with an idea that was rooted in, you know, what are these people really genuinely interested in? What's their, what would their spiritual home look like? And then not just talking about it, but as we said before, then doing it and being, I mean, people hate the word, but being authentic. I think people hate the word authenticity because it's hard. It's really, it gives you a lot of responsibility. It's a challenge. You know, when, when we all discussed, you know, how do we not lose the makers and the artists that, you know, live in this area and, you know, being displaced in Hackney Wick, you know, that sort of being authentic and stitching in appropriately to the community as opposed to being like a big spaceship that just landed on the park really meant there was that responsibility to find a place for that. And so that narrative gives you a real anchor and a, a sort of lens to look through and say, you know, we've, we've, got to, we've got to perform well in order to be credible. And I think, I think the narrative is, is only, um, it's only sort of fluff if you're not willing to sort of, you know, commit into, we're surrounded by these incredible pods that are filled with various, Gavin said, hyper-local business businesses and artists. And you've got to do those things and be brave and say, you know, it might not um, work, it might not give us any money. In this case, you know, it's, it's about creating a vibrant and interesting community of, as I said before, sort of small businesses, big businesses, different businesses, and creating this, having this sort of, um, you know, guts to create something like this is, is part of making that narrative a real thing and not just a, a fable, I think. Is the, so, the and what they like is that it was left over, it was actually here, and then the process of making the, the pods, is that important to the businesses that are here too, the fact that they were... Well, I mean, look, they're really charming, right? So it's hard to come here and not be like, wow, if you stand, and I think we probably will, Gavin, if I'm not mistaken, we'll walk down. If we stand there and look back, you know, it's a really cool bit of story. It's like, wow, I can have one of those. Oh, which one is yours? And starting that bit of um, conversation and social currency is fun. Um, oh, I'm in the one that was this thing before, the one that's covered in grass or the one that's covered in, you know, reused materials. 
and those I think people really enjoy that having that ownership piece of it is you know is is, is really nice. Um, other businesses they that are here in larger spaces have that benefit of. You know, we're rubbing up against artists and startups and um, hyper-local businesses that haven't been displaced, and I think that seeds into their day-to-day experience as well. It's um, it's hard. I I still today it's hard not to walk onto here. I mean, I have two feelings. One is, wow, you know, they pulled it off, and um, it didn't get VE'd, you know, value engineered out. Um, and the other one is, you know, this is so charming, and how special to have gone through the process of creating this. That's quite an important point actually because we didn't it wasn't so much a wasn't so much a case about value engineering it out. You know, our, our, you know if you just follow planning what a lot of people go by what does the planning say? We had a responsibility to build out fifty percent of the units and then the other fifty percent we had a design code which other people could come here and design out their units themselves and install them. And we took the uh, decision to actually no, let's just do a hundred percent from day one. And let's build that out. And it took, you know, it, it doubled the budget, um, but it was the right thing to do uh, to take control, to make sure we have continued control. And also to finish the job, it would feel like we hadn't actually completed. We'd leave it to other people to invest in. We wanted to make sure the community felt invested in. So even to the unit behind you, which is based on perforated toilet roll, <laughs> whatever. There was a factory here it used to make and came up with a whole perforated blue roll. Interesting. In Hackneywick. The, are they viable? They are viable. They're part of our affordable workplace um, strategy as well, but they are incredibly viable. We've got an amazing um, social enterprise, the Trampery, which I think most people should be familiar with, with Charles Armstrong and his team, um, who wanted to take this on. And Charles and I have been looking at a way to work together for about four years. Uh, so bringing him into the team was fantastic and uh, has added a vibrancy and has, has brought together this collection of the businesses um, onto the site. So they are, they are uh, viable. So these, these went to market in July um, and then we started bringing people in in October, November. So we're heading into the first summer of having these occupied. Uh, so what we want is how do we activate these spaces here? This is something we're working with Charles and the team um, to, to pull together an activation um, strategy. They are, they are amazing. You walk in there, it's just an immediate warmth. They are, you know, they're really, really carbon friendly. They are double thickness, then clad. And in, inside, there's an amazing um, uh, thermal protection between the two. So you walk in and not only is it about sound, you get that deadness of like a studio, recording studio, but you also get a feeling of just warmth and it really holds the warmth as well. So very good. It's just for a bit of fun. I'm going to take you into a six-ton lift because they're doing great. That's brilliant. Absolutely. Oh, great. Um, so we put. So when Matt is fashion, I was speaking earlier about um, uh, we do awareness tours. So when Matt's were um, just announced their staff that they were going to bring the studio over here and and grow it, uh, we did a, an awareness visit in August two years ago, and we put 75 of them in here, and. Uh, it was like, this is bigger than one of, this is bigger than my flat. You know? <laughs> it was a comment that we had. So we've got two of these. And the reason we put these in is because with the studios upstairs, you know, we can drive vehicles in these and then we can take them up or down. We don't want to go down, but we can move things between. And the corridors are big enough that you can drive vehicles through as well. So, so these were not here? No, these were put in. 
So we've got quite a lot of work going on at the moment as, we've, as we're separating out the large studio um, into two. So we've got the V&A and other. We're having to do quite a lot of work now just to make sure that services are separated. We put in, we put in our own, you know, there's a lot of fibre to and from the building um, because it broadcasts the games to the world. But what we've done is we've put in over half a million pounds worth of our own fibre enhancements. Um, we considered fibre to be the same as seeing that plug socket or running water or wastewater outlets. That if a company comes here, they shouldn't have to go through the pain of how do I get fibre here? Is it going to take six months for me to be connected? And, 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 and. So we've got a, a, a system on, on site where if a company wants to, they can, they can hop onto our fibre backbone. Um, it's configured through a local company called Optimity. And you can just set up, says you took an office here, the developer um, would sit, take an office, we could set you up all your fiber, all your Wi-Fi, all totally secure. Now it works in your office, but if you want to go to Canal side and have lunch and it's the other side of the campus, you're still sat on your own secure Wi-Fi because it's running off our core network. Um, we can configure it within a matter of days. Um, so it can be done way in advance of you arriving. So every time your design team are over here, they're hanging off their own Wi-Fi as well. Um, and it's, it's a medium price point. So it's the same as if you were going to go to Virgin or BT or whatever else. So we're just we're not using it as a way that you must use it and therefore we can ratchet up the gearing um, on it or, the, or the, the revenue from it. For us, it's a service. It's not a revenue maker. So how would you compare that to, I mean, it's not something that other offices would ever consider doing now, do you think? Well, I think if you're looking at managed office, they do that. Um, but the price point is usually pretty high. You know, we were in a managed office in the early days. Uh, before we got this built. Um, and, you know, you pay a lot of money for those because um, it's part of the revenue generation scheme. Um, but actually what we decided is the service. Um, others may follow, um, I don't know. Um, but we, way, way, way back in 2015, we were um, advocating that um, developers should be doing this. They should be looking at root diversity. They should be looking at what fibers are coming into their buildings. We should make it really, really easy for people to come here. And it was when WideScore would just, just get going. Um, and what that enabled us to do is to say, well, that's great. Now, you can come and assess this if you want, but we know we're way above gold and they introduced platinum. Uh, and you know, others have got that now. Whether that just gets you fiber to the building and shows you are connected. Ours is more of a case of now, not only is it connected, we've got this entire network across our site, which you can just configure and have your um, your own network on and then we looked at that again and said okay what else can we do because um, mobile operators you know five and five and a half six thousand people is a lot of people to have on site but it's not a huge amount um, compared to other city locations so mobile operators really want to go where the masses are so what have we done we've invested again and we've put in um, mobile, our own mobile enhancements in there as well so you'll get a very strong coverage doesn't matter where you are on the site uh, in, in offices and outside and is there a cyber security mentioned looking into it but is there a... so we've got our own cyber security center which is building uh, businesses but there's yeah it's a totally secure network i mean we use a third party um who we trust and they're all cyber centrals and and and, and. it's expecting any of these things so yeah but it's investment the main thing Make it easy. Hello. We're just going to very quickly take you into um, two things. I'm uh, going to go into, stick our head into Plexor, and then we're going to go and have a look at a the theatre, because the theatre is very unique. Um, and we talk about collaboration, and we talk about the, what Here East is, 
is known for, part of our values and ideas, it's the convening power, the ability to bring people together, the exchange of ideas, the knowledge transfer, the discussions. Um, and also from community point of view, bringing people together um, as well. So the STEMETs have done a whole load of work. We've done two big conferences here for them um, called Monster Confidence, looking at um, teenage girls trying to get into the technology uh, sector, um, which has been hugely uh, successful here. And we've gone from Plexal, where we had it for 300 people, and this year, or last year rather, in 2018, held it in our theatre and had over 600 people. So it's been, it's been a great, great asset. Right. And will the theatre stay? Um, the theatre will stay, yeah. It might change and may be reconfigured over time. Um, but for us, it's really important to maintain that convening type of uh, space. And how important is it to be used as a conference venue, as an events venue, as part of the whole strategy? It comes back to that point, which is in the early days, it was a fantastic marketing asset. You, know, you could suddenly pull a thousand people here. Uh, and not only did they come here, they had a great time. They put it on Instagram, Facebook, post it on Twitter, talk about what's going on, talk about the event that we've been hosting here. And all of a sudden people could sit up and go, crikey, what are East up to? You know, what are they doing? They're doing some really interesting things over there. Better go and have a look. So it's been a, it's been a quite um, a useful thing to have, but actually more than just marketing, it's a really useful thing to have because it allows us to do things internationally, things to do things with the government, with the city, with major businesses. Um, and it, and it, it works really, really well. In fact, it works so well that we've created another one um, within Plexal. So Plexal is the innovation center um, from here, as we spoke about earlier. Um, in first glance, most people walk in and go, oh, it's just like a WeWork, but it's because it's glass and a bit of steel. On second glance, you go, oh, don't get this type of space free space in those type of um, uh, managed office providers. You also, uh, we have a, a range of different things going on here as well. So we have um, our co-working spaces, uh, we have our um, managed offices, um, we have the meeting rooms and the boardrooms you expect, we've got all of our usual facilities you expect to see, we've got a big gathering point in the middle called Plexal uh, Monument Square with the, um, the pillar here. Um, and then in the far end, we've got Plexal Park, which is an event space that takes between 250 and 350 people. Um, we've got a, a maker space where companies who want to do R&D and testing and prototype building, that's where they can build out their, their, their products. Um, and then we've got an innovation services facility as well. So we've also got a team of consultants that we've built uh, and they sort of create and build innovation programs for, for clients, so either corporate enterprise um, or for ourselves as well, as we're looking for future challenges. Um, it was that team that put together our response to the government's call out for National Cyber Security Centre, which we then won. And we won a £30 million project and programme through the government to build this centre, um, which is down the bottom right, uh, and to create and support the growth of 72 cyber companies in the UK. So, you know, all of these things, it's no, that's no managed office provider. This is a proper innovation centre. And then on the top, um, there's a whole load of innovation services and we've got uh, companies like Barclays and Hiscox, Idea East for branding and marketing um, are up there and they provide services into our scaling companies. I think Idea East have done about 14 different rebrands, Barclays are doing financial support and guidance to businesses that need some help. It may not even be access to funds, it may be just a thinking through a different way of uh, the structuring. And do they elect to be here or were they attracted here or how did that work? Um, they approached us to be here. And, uh, and they have you know, the right to be here, they pay to be here. 
um, because it, people build loyalty. You know, if people help one another, you end up with a, a trust relationship and that continues. So if you end up with a company of three, who are now a company of over 30 and taking on a lease and they've been on that journey all the way through, that's likely to be something quite um, profitable for these people to be here as well. So, you know, it works in both, both, both ways. Um, so it's a full service innovation centre, which means companies have access to the type of products and services they need to help them grow. They don't have to use them, but it's their on tap law firm as well. Um, but also all of the space facilities they'd like. Um, and a quality point, which means the companies coming here can have um, confidence in bringing their investors, potential customers here as well. And we saw you know, a lot, particularly across London, of these co-working spaces. And they're great and they're fun, but they're using the back end of a lease somewhere. They're there for three, four years. They don't invest in the space. Why would you? It provides a real value service. It's a race to the bottom. And we said, we don't want to play that game. Um, it's valuable into the ecosystem. What we want to do is we want to set a new, a new benchmark. And, um, I mean, so these businesses are, are moving out of those informal spaces. They're starting to need to have grown-up meetings. Yeah. And actually, they they can't be at a kitchen table or at a coffee exactly. shop. Exactly. They can't be in a garage like in Silicon Valley. Exactly. And they end up here. And what I think is really important is, you know, our location, on, our destination on the park, is not a place you just casually walk past on a high street somewhere. So they come here. They make a specific decision to come to Plexal for what it has to, and to here east for what it has to offer and what it has to offer in relationship to the collaborative programs and the innovation programs in partnership with the universities where they put teams of 10, a syndicate of 10 across different um, master's courses and now solve a, pro, uh, a company's problem over a period of 10 weeks and they get that for free. And it's those type of value add benefits of being at Here East which people find attractive. And once they come here, because it's a decision to come to Here East, it's often the case that they just don't want to leave. They absolutely love being here and which is really important to us, is that stickiness. Joy, getting that customer down to like a, a very specific kind of company, is that part of what you think is key to the success? So it's not just a startup, it's a startup at this point in their journey, it's this kind of individual. It's funny, I think it's one of the, you know, we had probably like 30 measurements of success we set out really early, which again, sort of, you know, we were giving ourselves a really high bar. And one of them that was probably for us a really reach, sort of reach goal, was this idea that you could come as a one, two, three, you know, man, woman band and grow into a bigger business and then move within Here East and then grow again and move, you know, to somewhere else in Here East. And I think it's one of the things we're and super, as a team, super proud of that is actually happening. We can show companies have come here small and they've moved to another bit of Here East and then moved again, gone and come back. Um, and that, that for, for, I suppose for us is actually what we wanted was the ability to at different scales be successful here that idea of being the stage and not the performance and where we're standing now in plexel I, I love to talk about co-working a lot is about you know you you go in the first week you're working in a really trendy co-working space it's like wow there's like free pizza and there's free beer at four o'clock in the afternoon and then after a week you're like you know i actually i need to get some work done and actually i need some partners i need some skills and i need to hire some people and i think what's interesting here is not at the expense of a really exciting space and really interesting you know being surrounded by really interesting fun people you actually get some stuff done here and you get great partners and I think you really see that in what you're surrounded with which is quite fun so much more than the pizza and beer experience is um, there free pizza here <laughs> <laughs> we do pizza nights we used to on Tuesdays in the new year I'm not sure what they're doing as part of the health and well-being 
but we do we do evenings we do community evenings uh, within the innovation center on a tuesday night we do lunch sessions where also where the service partners who are here um, we'll do sessions down on our bleachers where training sessions so last year this time last year everybody was gearing up for gdpr so there was quite a lot of work going on there's been quite every throughout the whole year there's this recurring theme every quarter about refining your pitch deck presentation skills and techniques um, the types of insurance you probably need as you're incorporating a business and taking it to market and so on and so forth so, so there's free stuff yeah 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 really free learning I yeah. guess and, and, yeah. and networking and then a bit of fun stuff on thrown on top as and well and fun stuff yeah exactly now okay. off off this do you want to have a quick look at the event space in case I've been you, you've been done yeah there and we actually we really like it good um, excellent the final bit is we're just going to go up to the first floor uh, see the big the big um, theatre theater space which will be cold. Okay. I'm just warning you now. <laughs> Again, as a Canadian, we're good with cold. Yeah, <laughs> fine, that's true. <laughs> and Brazil. And Brazil, nope. well done, yeah. That's not the one. Oh, no. We're going to speak. Sorry, it's this crazy system. Has this been useful? Have you got a Quite a lot of material. This is lovely. This is, yeah, this is it's a great. good one. This is very, yeah. Yeah. I think we're happy. Especially the bit where I say to Joy, it just speaks too much. Yeah, <laughs> and then later on, you admit to speaking be, too much. Yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> that'll, that'll be our poll quote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I talk too much. Too. I have a feeling when it drops, it's always, then they've proven that around the boardroom, it's always the men who talk too much. No. Really? Yeah. Right, we're going to go this way, around here. I'll find out how to believe. The women, the women speak for like 10% of the time of the men, but they speak very succinctly and to the point. More considered, yeah, okay. We've had some amazing events in this space. Yeah, so this, this space is, is connecting space. So we use this and we use production companies to dress it. And we do um, food, the drink, the gathering, breakout spaces town halls where people have got products and um, uh, and companies on display so it looks doesn't look like this at all it's completely dressed but the main event then takes place on uh, in, in this part of the development which is a it's, it takes just over a thousand people uh, we can configure it in all sorts of different ways um, we've used it for different things from our own launch of uh, of the scheme when we'd finished all the transformation the majority of the transformation works uh tech london advocates with russ and his team um we routinely bring 850 900 people here for big discussion sessions around what's what's some of the key challenges facing the technology sector across the capital uh, we launched the global uh, tech advocates uh, platform from here last year um, we have had samsung launch the s8 handset from here uh, we've had it, took the windows off, bought in cars and created uh, a space for uh, a car launch with Ford. Um, there's a whole host of things. The, the, the STEMETS Monster Confidence Conference we've run here. All the major tech companies have used it um, either for open events or for closed um, EMEA type events. Um, so is the ambition for this to feel like where the Apple launch would happen, would have happened? Yeah, and we did it with Samsung S8. Um, as well, live linked uh, through fiber with a satellite back up straight over to the Lincoln Center in New York. Um, so that whole back wall there uh, was just a huge 4K screen. Uh, and you know, and we were looking at the, 
the team over in New York and they were looking at us and an amazing launch. It was that one, remember when they had the, uh, the emu running along because they couldn't fly and they had the headset on. It was that running across the wall, which is phenomenal. Um, so yeah, so this is, it's, a, it's a great facility to be able to convene. Work tech have been here, retail tech have been here, the future of workspace has been here. You know, they've all run major, major events here, um, which, is, which is great. TED came here, that was a private event for a pharma company. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good. Works well, doesn't it? Convenes well. It does, yeah. And you want to continue to have this operate like that? It, it's a fantastic um, asset to have. If you're if you're looking at a, you know, what what makes a great campus or super campus, as we we're saying, it's not only is it the component parts, the businesses that come here. It's the ability of what else do you put over the top of that to allow those businesses to express themselves, to learn, for others to come in and talk. How, how do you have that convening? And it, you can do it for 100 or 200 people, but doing it at scale uh, is so much more powerful. You can have some amazing events here, which everybody has this real good uh, sense of, okay, that was worth going to. I learned that from that event. I did it. It was on my doorstep. I just went in. And, and those type of events are... are invaluable really if you lose that capability of convening i think then you're just another development you haven't got that ability to pull everybody together um, you can talk to people in coffee shops and you might be able to use their own town hall space which is good for their own company but how do you bring everybody together and people from the wider community um, and internationally to this space and i think that's something that we really want to keep hold of and we will do I want to talk about the e-scooters before we wrap up. <laughs> yes. Because they're here and they're nowhere else in London. They're not. Heard. Well, they're nowhere else in the UK. Um, so, and this, this comes back to, you know, our commitment to collaboration and helping businesses. So we, we spoke to Bird originally. It was a, an interest from London and Partners. And we spoke to the founders way back in February, March last year. Um, they then um, wanted to think about having a UK entry strategy, but the rules of the road and the Highways Act don't allow things like that or hoverboards or electric skateboards. All the things you see people using are not legal. Now, as an individual, you just use it and you know, it's your own risk. But of course, as a business trying to monetize this, you need to get a license from the city authorities. And of course, they're not going to license something which is not legal on our highways. So we, we spoke to them and said, look, why don't you come have a look at what we've got? We might be able to do something across the here Easter state. It's private property. You can do it on private land. And it was like, okay, but it's not really a, a leisure thing. It's more of a last mile commuter thing. So, okay, let's, let's have a look at the park. I know we can then speak to a legacy company with our relationship with them, take you in there and say, why don't we set up a route across the park to Stratford? You know, we can't get right next to the station because you need to use the roads, which we can't do. We can certainly go across the North Park, across Waterton Road, into the South Park and get us to, to Westfield, park up the scooter, walk through Westfield into the underground station. And that's what we've done. So we are um, two and a half months into a three-month pilot. We've just got permission from Legacy Company to extend that pilot out. Um, as an example, we're using it 800 to 1,000 riders a week. Um, compare that to the Santander hire bike scheme, which we've got 50 units of. We've only got 50 scooters in it. Uh, 50 Santander hire cycles on site. They're being used in the winter months around about 600 times a month. So these are really appealing to our client base. No surprises there. And you know what? They're just fun. You know, I used one this morning. Yes, it's bitterly cold this morning, but it's a great you know, sunny day. So like, you know what? I'll just take a bird scooter back. And came over in the sun. It's really great fun. It's fresh air. The critics are there saying, well, yeah, but it's not healthy. You know what? 
that's pretty good being outside for another 20 minutes, not even that really, um, but in the fresh air rather than on the shuttle bus. And, uh, and it's, you know, taking pe people from our shuttles, putting them onto scooters, using the park, seeing the park, looking around, being outdoors. And, it, and it's fantastic. Now, now we're working with Bird um, to think about how can we work with the government um, to address the laws and bring them into, into a city environment with all of the protection measures that needs to play, safety measures in place. But it's, it's, been a, it's been a real success and the people of Here East love it. And we're gonna say 800 to 1,000 riders a week in the winter. Just wait until April when it really starts to um, get better weather. And I think there'll be a lot more um, users at that point. You had an autonomous vehicle trial here as well. We did. Two years ago, um, we had Navia, which was sort of the first to market with a 14-person autonomous vehicle. But there was quite a lot of controls um, on that for obvious reasons um, on the park. So it was limited to speed, about five miles an hour, just trundled around. Uh, but it was a way to be able to get... A part of this time is breaking down perceptions and looking at how can how can normal members of the public experience what they read about the newspapers or they see on TV. So there was an opportunity for people to come along and experience riding an autonomous vehicle. You know, we went to Lyon to, to go and see Navio at the HQ to experience that at the, at the conference, conference center. Um, likewise, people can come over here and they can use legally an e-scooter. Uh, and there'll be, you know, we've looked at drone flying. We've also, people know about drones now for the wrong reasons, sadly, when actually they can be incredibly important value added to society. Um, but actually we're looking at trial demo days for drones. Come and have a look, fly a drone and um, see what it can do. And then we can also do a showcase perhaps of how this is really helping people around the world. 25% you know, of blood supplies are flown by drone in Rwanda. Uh, this is because there's no regulation, so it's easier to, to work through. So how do you work in a regulated environment? These are the sort of things that we'll look at. This podcast has been brought to you by The Developer. Produced by Simon Mercer. With music by Fortet. I'm Christine Murray, and you can reach me on Twitter at at TC Murray. For more podcasts, visit us at developer.live.